0: Welcome to Town Hall Academy, episode 115. Now, this has been deemed a required listen as two of our industry's successful shop owners share their business acumen and the fact that they have zero automotive background.
1: Some of us are moving along at a faster rate because we we invite and we solicit feedback from our team and our peers and uh, those around us. And I mean, I wouldn't be afraid to call Andy or you know, I've got some long-term relationships from great guys in the industry.
0: Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, Carm Capriato here. How you doing? And so glad to welcome you to Academy Episode 115. This episode packs a powerful message on driving you to understand your role as CEO of your business. We'll hear from Brian Sump and Andy Bisub in a moment. Hey, I want to thank Jasper Engines and Transmissions for their support. Now you know a family, you're a customer. They're keeping their vehicles an average of 11 plus years. So as a solution to keeping their transportation reliable, where's the first place you would turn when the drivetrain fails? Why Jasper, of course. A vehicle is a major purchase and it should be trusted to a 100% associate owned company for quality remanufactured products. Go to jasperengines.com for more information. Hey, I recommend not being a short listener. What do I mean by that? Well, if you don't have the time to catch the entire episode at once, do it in shifts. Remember, when you leave your app, it remembers where you left off so you can get back to it. Now, why I mention it is that these aftermarket lessons bring value throughout the entire episode. Some of the best ideas, well, they come out at the end after everyone has had their chance to shake down their thesis. Hey, Also, go to the books page and find all the books mentioned on the podcast. Leaders are readers. We talk about that a lot. Please commit to reading or listening to the books recommended from our podcast, Alumni. Hey, you can find the talking points and my guests' bios and links to their previous episodes at RemarkableResultsRadio.com slash A115. Hey, Now visit with Brian Sump and Andy Bisub as they share their strategy for growing their business. This is an interview like no other you've heard here on Remarkable Results or on the Town Hall Academy. It really drives home some of the struggles that exist out in the industry. This interview should open your eyes because Brian and Andy did not grow up in the business. They weren't technicians with a dream of owning their own shop. Brian was a professional football player and Andy was a commodity trader. They share their strategies and tactics that have shaped their continuing success. Brian and Andy basically became the CEO of their business. Now, we talk a lot about that on the podcast. They use their people, network, and training to learn, lead, and grow their business. So here's the rub Why is there so many legacy aftermarket professionals in the industry struggling? Where these outsiders who acquired going shops are at the top of their game? Find out. <laughs> You guys are industry professionals, and everyone in the industry started somewhere. And you know, it goes a little bit back to the e myth thing. How tough was it in the beginning until you put your businessman's hat on?
1: There's a lot of feeling things out. There's a lot of uh, getting acclimated in, in in something. When you transition careers, it doesn't matter if you're going from a you know a commodities trader to a, to a dentist or from you know, a radio broadcaster to a pie maker. I mean, it's all, there's a learning curve. And I think uh, we talked a little pre-show Andy was saying the same thing that y- you eventually got to uh, assimilate yourself to what you're doing. And so it takes time. When we started, I, I still tell this story early on. I mean, it was so bad for us that we were, we were uh, writing things on yellow notebook paper and like tearing them off. And, and, and I didn't know anything about cars. So go to the back And I would look at a vehicle with the technician. He would show me what a a solenoid was or a a valve cover gasket, and I would see it. And then he would tell me, and I would literally sprint to the phone and regurgitate it as fast as I could (laughs) to the customer before it escaped my mind. And and one thing I knew is that I knew that I could take care of people, and I could build relationships, and I could serve them. And then we had these guys in the back. So um, it was pretty archaic early on. And, uh, but you, you know, you surround yourself, there've been so many amazing people in this industry that have said, yeah, let me know how I can help. And that, have, that have shown us how it traditionally is done. And I think one of the benefits of being an outsider is we'll talk more about it. I'm sure is just how we have unique perspectives on what's being done. But at the end of the day in, in Gerber, to the point E myth, he talks about a pie maker, the same as an automotive technician or a doctor that wants to own a practice or build a business. And, They can be great in their craft, but does not mean they're going to be necessarily a great businessman. And so business acumen applies to really any kind of an industry or a product or a service. And a lot of the X's and O's are the same there. So there's a learning curve, though.
0: So, Andy, as you approached this business and said, what the hell am I nuts going to? I'm going to start repairing cars. I I, I don't know if that went through you. What was what
2: excited you about getting into the automotive uh, repair business? Well, so I was actually a customer of my shop for, uh, since, two, since 2007, my, the, the financial business was really, really going through some, uh, some fundamental changes, uh, around 2012, 2013. And I always knew that there'd be a time when I would, I would leave that business because it was going to revolve out away from what I was doing. Um, so I was ready for a new, you know, for a new business challenge. And it just so happened that the shop that I had, Gone to this shop was on the on the brink of going under uh, it was being mismanaged and I uh, had all kinds of problems not not enough equipment, not of the payroll was being missed so it was kind of the confluence of two things one one industry was kind of kind of shutting down, and another one was opening up in front of me. but I had always had a really good experience going to the shop. I saw great potential uh, the location was great the people were great it just needed some judicious business acumen, leading and improving the business. So I put together a deal. Uh, I was able to acquire the shop and retain all the employees, including the old owner who I gave a job as the GM. And he worked here for a year and uh, decided to uh, depart after that. And really uh, after that first year was when we really kind of hit stride and took off and started growing uh, pretty rapidly. And I've retained all the, all the entire crew. So I, I really had the blessing of a uh, just a great crew of people um, that we've been able to retain. But it was, I did see, I saw the potential in the business before owning it. And I just, uh, that's what I thought. I thought I needed a, a good management uh, and some good vision and someone to really push it forward into the future. Um, and that's what I've tried to bring to it.
0: What changes have you seen, uh, Brian, since you opened in 2007 to today from an entrepreneurial perspective? You came in with not a lot of knowledge and now you're out speaking at a ton of places. I mean, you're becoming a a critical industry expert, you know, multi-shop owner and and, and all the knowledge you have. Did you ever look back and say in 2007, I was going to be in this place at this time?
1: No, you don't always see it coming. Um, The analogy I, I like to use, and I'll use my my sports days, uh, my particular story, and this is not to be boastful, it's just for the sake of uh, effect here and, and making sense of this. When, when I was in high school, I played one year of high school football my senior year. I got a small scholarship at an engineering school to play football. Like I got paid $2,000 a year on a scholarship, pretty small. And, and uh, But my senior class in high school, we had seven Division One scholarship athletes from my football team, and then I was the Division Two guy. So I had all these big blue chippers and and I was a small school. Well, all of a sudden, four years later, I'm two time All-American and and half the guys I graduated with weren't even playing in college anymore. And you just kind of you apply certain tenets of growth and development and you find yourself somewhere and you kind of look around you and you're like, where'd everybody go?
0: So wait a minute. You're you're talking about you had that personal introspective. uh, Did it help build confidence in you?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, at some point when you look up and you look around and it's not to be, you're not better than anybody. It's not about, it's not about elevating yourself at somebody else's expense or where they're not, but you just push hard. Andy can attest. You, you apply certain tenets to growth and development and you end up somewhere. You progress at a certain rate and maybe other people don't, but, but until you put your head up and you look around and you see where everybody's at or how high up the mountain you are, and you kind of go, man, how did I get here? Like I knew I was working hard. I knew I was climbing and I was being, you know, uh, whatever. I was creating a path. So you, so you get there and you kind of look around. And then, you know, my journey, I think much to, to yours and Andy's too, much like a lot of people listening, you, you keep working, you keep growing and you just you end up somewhere. And then you have some basis for perspective to say, where am I really? And then it was, you know, several years ago, I think Ratchet and Wrencher was one of the first experiences in 2012. And they, they called and said, hey, we want to do our first ever public, you know, cover story for our first publication. We want to do it on you. And I, and I thought, why me? You know, and and that's a different story. But at some point in time, it does change and it does look different. But they say everybody can become an expert in a craft or, you know, an area of knowledge after so much time doing
0: it. I love where he just went with that, Andy, and and both of you guys, please chime in on this. He says, everyone can become an expert. So why are so many of the CEOs of our industry struggling?
2: To me, to me, the the business of being in business is, is about just continual improvement. If you can improve what you're doing, even very incrementally, every day, every week, every month, every year, and just, and, and keep, on that trajectory. So when you look back at whatever how, where you've come from and the, the advances that your business has made, it's not a linear, it's it's not a line. There's steps, there's plateaus, there's places where you know you pause, the, the business has a pause or it catches you know, you're catching your breath. But then if you gotta come in and you have to keep pushing to just do whatever you're doing a little bit better. And if you, if you keep at that, like Brian said, after a while, you look back and you're like, hey, I'm three years into this, or I'm five years into this, and look where we've come. Uh, I mean, I, every once in a while, I'll just take a look at some old pictures of, the, of this place when I started, just to kind of remind myself that the, the change has been immense, but you can't say, I'm changing everything today, right? You, d- you just get on this process of continual improvement and if you can instill that in your team to where they're always looking to improve what they do yeah. I, that's more than half the battle uh, brian
0: did i hear andy say patience
1: well i don't know if you heard it directly but it, i don't know i struggle with that andy probably do too uh, it's hard when you're driven and you're motivated mm-hmm. to to be patient and wait for the fruit too we all struggle with that to some degree but uh yeah i mean I, at some point you just gotta let time take its course and keep pushing
0: Hey, I'm with Brian Weeks from ATC Auto Center. Hey, are your customers investing in Jasper?
3: Absolutely. Um, and I think that uh, the biggest thing is, is in the world of automotive nowadays, uh, let's don't talk about parts and labor so much. You know, when you when you look at the mechanical side of it and look at the parts and labor side, you know, you're, you're selling cu- the customer a transmission, but what you're really doing is selling peace of mind.
0: So it's not hard convincing customers to invest in their vehicle.
3: Uh, we don't feel like it is. Uh, we, we haven't really had an issue with that. You know, it's, it's not for everybody. And, you know, in certain situations, you may have uh, somebody that doesn't necessarily see that value, but it's our responsibility to show the value that Jasper has. It's not about your transmission is going to shift through all five years now. It's more about you can take the kids to soccer this evening without having a problem. You'll be able to make it to work tomorrow without a problem. You can go on that vacation and not have a worry. That's what it's more about. And Jasper provides that so that we can offer that to the customer.
0: Hey, Brian, thanks for your time. Carm, thank you. Did you guys enjoy the high water marks that you found? Because I love I love that. You know, every once in a while it's spring up here in the northeast and we're supposed to have a seventy degree day today and it's supposed to go back into the forties as it slowly ramps up and catches up. And I always say, Hey, high water mark day today, the seventies are coming. No different with volume, no no different with hiring people, no different with your marketing efforts. You know, it's it's good to celebrate those high water marks, especially
2: as an outsider coming into a new new industry. Well, you want to motivate your people and inspire them, really, to where we're like, "Hey, that was a great week. That was a great month. Um, just imagine what where we're going to be six months from now if we keep pushing." I always, one of the things I always say to to everybody on my team is, "We want to all be pushing that rock in the same direction, right?" So we don't we don't want to have these situations where one the floor the the shop floor is pushing on one side and the service office is pushing on the other side and you're canceling each other out. That's all push in the same direction, um, and that seems to really, you know, that seems to take hold, hold with them. So the best advice
0: that I would love you guys to give to our industry is this: um, you you were you, you came in from the outside world. You you weren't uh, techs that grew up in the family business. You didn't go to tech school, become a tech, and then wanted to, to grow your business. And I would suggest that our business probably has seventy percent of our owners that came into into the world that way. Uh, the reason we're doing this is because you came in from the outside and from from the outside and you're extremely successful. So what is it that in the very short amount of time you've been doing this, we've got to be able to drill home into the into the industry, the people that are listening, the people that are going to listen and going to make this part of their learning curve to become a better CEO. You had to go out and learn some things about the business of our business. Yeah, okay, you need to learn some tech. But did you have you guys ever picked up a wrench and gone into the bay and fixed anything? I, I, I bet you the answer is no. Or in, if if at the worst, <laughs> I helped out one day.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, that's exactly the story. One day was the worst day of my life. I <laughs> tried to do a tie rod and... It, our staff laughs about it to this day it 's not funny to me, but it 's funny to them.
0: those are Brian sump legacy stories. those are great <laughs> and, and you know what even yeah. if even if it didn 't happen on uh, for because they needed your bed, it should have been done on purpose <laughs> so that you would have had that story to tell. So the people says, "Hey, Brian, you run the business and that 's what every CEO who came from the Bays needs to be told by his people go run the business.
1: I may have staff listening, but I think it's really important for everybody. Like I owe a huge uh, debt of gratitude to my team because a lot of the changes and improvements we made through the years wasn't me as some wizard of Oz behind a curtain. It was, it was them. And it was them seeing, you know, inadequacies inadequacies in the business and the way the systems and the processes. So I really need to give a ton of credit to the guys and gals in our organization because, You know, I didn't make every change. It wasn't all my idea. So I learned a a lot from them and I continue to, and they deserve that credit. But, um, but back to your your question, you know, interesting, Carmen, you talk about being an outsider. Everybody in this industry was an outsider at one point in time. You were a kid, maybe if your daddy, parents even owned a shop, you, you, it was one day you were in there and you realized you were in there. But if you were a tech that went to tech school and, and worked in a dealership or whatever, you were an outsider at one point. And so was I 13 years ago. And so was Andy, I think six years ago, right. right. Or five years yep. ago. So we were all on the outside at one point, And now we're on the inside and we all have different stories and we all had different beginnings and we all have different journeys and pathways. Uh, and, it, and it never ends from the day you start to the day you exit. And maybe it's when you, when they bury your, you know, we bury you in the ground or maybe it's when you retire or whatever, but there's a story and it, it's continually evolving. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a different pace. And, uh, some of us are moving along at a faster rate because we we invite and we solicit feedback from our team and our peers and uh, those around us. And I mean, I wouldn't be afraid to call Andy or you know, I've got some long-term relationships from great guys in the industry, uh, You know, Aaron Stokes, Greg Bunch, Mike Brewster, some of these pillars that I grew up with that shed light on me and may, may reach out to me for a question here and there. So it's continually sharing and um, and the last thing I'll just say quickly is I heard a, a great speaker yesterday, um, He's part of the Discover Institute or something. I, my name's Mike, but he was talking about being a rookie and a veteran. And he said, he said, rookies are always listening and, and learning about what they don't know. And veterans are always trying to state what they know. And so he said, everybody should have a rookie mentality and you should be seeking to learn and grow and find out what you don't know. And I really appreciated that.
0: Boy, that was powerful. And one of the things that I talk about on the show all the time, and I may have coined this word, oh, twenty some, this phrase, twenty some years ago, being a perpetual student. And that was something that I realized um, probably a little later in my business life, but soon enough that I could make you know positive change and become a better leader is that I had to be constantly learning something new each and every day, and I had to I had to read, and I had to go to seminars, and I and I had a network. And maybe that's one of the most powerful takeaways from this is, you know, here's some pillars of our industry have been very successful and came. And I don't want to use the word outsider, not a negative thing, but you weren't inside the industry. You were, you know, not, not insiders and have learned to grow successful businesses. So why would anyone want to listen or watch this, this show? Is it because they want to say, well, how did they do it? What was, what was, you know, Brian, it goes back to your great idea of Warren Buffett. You know, you know, let's get a role model here. If it's not Andy and if it's not Brian, who's the other role model that's been super successful and doesn't know a thing about the businesses he owns?
1: Warren Buffett's an example that a lot of us talk about. And uh, I, I do want to come back to Andy and, you know, how Andy views insider and outsider here in a, in a minute. I definitely want to hear from him. But the, Warren Buffett's a great example. In fact, this morning, Carm, as I was thinking about this, I thought about um, Carl Icahn. Like I don't know what his industry. I know he owns, you know, Federal Mogul or the parts verticals there, but I don't know.
0: No, no longer Federal Mogul, but yeah, he's he's in the parts business right now and the service business,
1: right? That but course. I don't know his back. Like, I don't think he grew up in automotive shops, or maybe oh, no. he did. But no. But look at these guys. I mean, I mean, they they Warren Buffett's smallest company I think is Seize Candies, and I think it's four hundred and sixteen million dollars a year in revenue. That's his smallest business, and he owns these companies, and I don't think he's an expert in any one of them. To my knowledge, he may know more about some than others, but uh, but but here's the point: is is that there are certain um, pillars of business that apply to anything. And, and in my eyes, I'll just state them very quickly. There's maybe five of them. There's: do you have a product or service that people want or need? Uh, do you have the ability to, to to tell them about it? Can you can you keep people when they come into your business? Can you can you keep them coming back and serving them? Uh, can you can you um, manage finances well and procure money and save it and reinvest it. And lastly, can you lead people? You got to have probably people or technology in your business. And I think if you kind of carry those with you, they, they apply to almost any industry. And once you learn enough about the industry, like we did in the candy business or the cybersecurity st- uh, space or automotive, it doesn't matter. A lot of the same tenants. And Warren Buffett's a great, great guy to look at.
2: And, and, you know, one, one of the common things about all those guys, Icon Buffett, they are all, all fully cognizant of surrounding themselves with the best people that they can. People that know more than they do, people are smarter than they are, they're, they're not intimidated by, by dealing with people who can execute better than they ever could. And you empower your team and you've empowered your entire business. You know, I, having, I, I always try to tell my people, look, here's, here's we have a problem, we have a bottleneck, we have an uh, issue. You, you guys figure figure out your solution to it. I want to hear your solution to it first because you don't want me to come up with a solution and impose it from on high. You guys know this. You know the systems. You know the day-to-day operations. You know the workflow. You know, come up with the way that makes it easier for you to better serve the customer. And invariably, they do. I mean, whether it's whether it's an internal function, whether it's tracking our own, you know, our own internal metrics, or whether it is about dealing with the customer and, sat and, and meeting their expectations, if you give your people the chance and have the confidence in them to come up with their own solutions, their own set of solutions, it, it just pays off huge because that it, it makes them. Go ahead. I, I just,
0: <laughs> I, you just, you know, every once in a while I go through these and, and all of a sudden, boom, something hits me really hard almost in every episode. And, and I'm trying to engage that group in our industry that's our insiders and they want to learn from you guys. And I don't want to call you outsiders, but, you know, non-automotive people that that own businesses. And it's it's almost like you just hit it. If I ask you if you're a better delegator today because of that, you probably say yes, because I had to get help from my people. Mm, Interesting, right? Um, Are you a better leader today? Because I knew that I know nothing about this business and I had to lead this team and I learned to to be a a better leader. And so maybe the answer is because I know because I'm an insider and I know the answers. I want to be I I, want to give so much and I want to I want to leading my people is that i'm always the answer man and i always have the answer and maybe maybe the story the biggest takeaway from this episode is show restraint ask your people for the answers even though you have one and if by any chance it's going to accomplish the same thing you wanted a yang and they wanted a yang but the yang would have produced the same result then stop being that all-knowing, all-seeing. Stop being the Wizard of Oz. You, you mentioned it earlier, Brian. <laughs> I loved it. Stop being the Wizard of Oz in your business while you're letting your people do more things. Go, go get the network. Go to training. You know, fly to a conference and yeah. and, and learn, learn, learn all this stuff that
2: you're having problems with. Is 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 that? Did we just break the code here? Well, if your people come up with their own solutions that are effective, that work, they have to work, right? But if they come up with their own solutions, just think of it. you don't there's no more buy-in. The buy-in's there. they came up with it. So it's not, hey, I think here's how we should address it. Now I have to convince you that this is going to work. I mean, it's a huge win-win, and it's super efficient if if you let your people come up with the with the solutions to bottlenecks in your own business. You guys had no choices. You had to do this. It's almost like you had to do this, right? Well, the other thing is uh, when I started out, right, I, I came in here and I told them, look, I, I know business. I know finances and everything. I don't know how to fix cars, but I don't need to know how to fix cars. But the other thing I did was the first six months, I had a broom in my hand almost every day. I was hauling trash around. I was, you know, reconfiguring the shop. I was physically working in here every day because I had to gain the confidence of these people who knew that I was not, I wasn't a tech. I I didn't come from a mechanical family. I mean, I'm very mechanically adept, but not, I don't work on customer cars. So, um, you know, having that, having that sweat equity in the business goes a long way, uh, as well.
1: And that's great, Andy. That's exactly right. In in my eyes, there's a very distinct difference between being just a pure follower, being a leader and being a dictator. If you're a pure follower, I mean, Andy, our our guys and and the the owners and and managers are listening. Like our guys and gals need us to lead them. They need us to come up with solutions and problem solve in a short window of time sometimes. And they need us to lead the charge to inspire and motivate. Um, But if you're a dictator and you're stuck and I always know the answer, your development curve may feel like it's steep, but you're probably not really progressing. And on the, the flip side of that, if you're always following and you're never leading and you're never innovating and pioneering, and I'll come back to what you see in other people's houses, maybe in a minute, Carm, but <laughs> in that analogy, but yeah, you got to be somewhere in the middle of knowing when to step up and inspire and lead and, and pioneer. And you also have to just make sure that you're mixing in that intermingling and listening to your team. And Andy, I love that. It's like, we try to, we try to really pass on the hiring process, at least the final yes or no to our team. And it's because of the reason that if, if they make the hire, they're more likely to push through adverse times with that team member than if you as the owner, Andy said, we're going to hire this person and here, like them. And, and then when crap hits the fan, so to speak, they're, they're not going to have any incentive to push through. Yeah, and The same thing applies to like our, our corporate values. You know, we, we chose two and we let the team pick four because we wanted them to have buy in in the value system and, and, it, and it just goes on and on. So yeah, that, that reliance upon your team And having them have some skin in the game goes a a really long way. It's a great point.
0: I loved it. If you don't want to have, if you want to deal with a team fire, make it a team hire. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We hire the team because we function like one. Go ahead.
2: And think about when, when you give that power to your team, how much it frees you up to go do really innovative stuff that you can then bring back to the business. Right, I mean, how yeah. we we're able to go to the Ratchet and Wrench conference every year because we got a team back there that we know the shop's going to be fine when we get back.
1: Exactly, and
2: I want to get back just mentioned about Brian, uh, the the veteran versus rookie, because I got to tell you when when Ratchet and Wrench when they asked me to speak at last year's conference, uh, scared scared the heck out of me, right? <laughs> because I'm like, what do I have to say? To all of these automotive professionals, that's going to be of any value. I mean, is was one of the more intimidating things that I ever had to do, and I spent 25 years yelling and screaming out loud in front of thousands of people every single day. So, so it's really well, having that's when that, you, you were the commodity broker, not
1: now,
0: right? Let's,
2: let's yeah. clarify. No, I, don't, I don't yell let's and scream at all that. Ever. <laughs> I
1: mean, I'm, I'm we'll not, ask we'll ask your team about that, Andy. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs>
2: They'll, they will admit that it's true. I, I don't yell around here, but yeah, really having that rookie mentality, like um, you know, I'm a sponge. am I want to soak up everything and I'll and sort through uh, what's valuable and what I can use and and what might not, you know. But I, I don't, I I don't know if I'll ever view myself as an industry veteran, you know.
0: Yeah. Every day you're growing in, in, into that. Yes, you are. Okay guys, I love where we've gone with this thing uh, and and I've got a couple of notes here I, I want to ask you guys a few questions but the the, the, the first one I want to ask you about is the CEO thing. A lot of talk in the industry about becoming the CEO of your business and that should be the mental trip that says I got to get, you know, off of running into working on my business. I don't, I'm not sure there's a lot of guys that understand what that really means. Uh, what can we do um, from all your experience, from coming uh, in, into our industry, from not having been an automotive expert? How can we teach? Is there any one great takeaway we can give our industry that's going to move some people into that next level of, of really what a CEO is and does?
1: Well, I'll give a little morsel. So. I think the first year, Andy, I don't know if you were there. The first year at and Wrench. you know, I, I taught this class how to stop putting out fires and build your business. And that analogy of putting out fires is probably makes sense to a lot of us. If you're so busy whacking moles, so to speak, or putting out fires, it's really hard to, you know, rearrange things so that, you know, remove the kindling so Mm -hmm. that not everything's catching on fire. Um, But one of the things that I I think always stuck with me from that, that I I try to encourage any new business owner is to identify the, the three things that you hate most about doing in your business and write them down. Just to say, I hate doing these things. I'm not good at doing these things. And kind of start there and see how and to whom you can delegate those things and pass those things on. Uh, and, and I think that's a good place to start because where there's usually where there's vision, there's calling. And if you have vision for something and it makes sense and you get excited about it, then you probably should be doing that. And if you get dragged down and, you're, and it's like Marcus Buckingham the strengths thing, you know, and focus on your strengths and do more of that the 8020 rule, do 80% of, uh, you know, 80% effective doing the things that you're really good at and, and push off the 20. So, uh, that's one thing I would give as a good starting place is to shovel off the stuff that you hate doing or you're not good at and find a consultant or a 1099 contractor or a team member to do those things and you know, free yourself up a little bit.
2: That's a great I and I've never read that 8020 rule. I I still have to read that book, right? Um w- one of the things that I would encourage the veteran shop owner to do is to take an honest look at of living in his customer's shoes. So drive up to your business, get the sense of what does your customer see when they pull up? what is their experience dropping off the car? What is their experience relating issues to your service advisor? All steps of that process. And it doesn't have to be really long and drawn out. It doesn't have to be 50 points, but just get a sense of what is the real customer experience go- when they arrive, drop off, pick up from your business, right? Because I, I think we we look a lot at what's inside our business at the people in the, in the back, in the shop, the people in the service office, but really put yourself in that customer shoes and understand their pain points and alleviate their points of pain and their, the friction involved in, in, in whatever you're doing. You could apply this to any business, but we're talking about automotive repair. What's the friction in, in getting their car fixed. And as we've removed those pain points and gotten rid of that friction, We've that's where we've really grown and, and seen this great satisfaction level from our customers. Where we have customers who are like, I've never had an automotive, I've never had an experience like this. You know, I've never, no matter what dealer I went to or what shop, you know. So that that's what I would I would encourage the the day to day veteran uh, who's who's been who grew up in his shop. You know, maybe he was the technician and now he's the owner.
0: Stop. Get outside of it. Look in. Yeah. Uh, you know Brian you just said um, what do you hate about you know, uh, your job and one of the things that I thought about was okay if you put the hate list and the love list together <laughs> and and you'd say I, I, I hate marketing um, let me suggest this to you and, and I'd love to have your take on this okay I can delegate it contract it 1099 it, do anything I want but I want it off my plate but I shouldn't not know what marketing is so that whoever is working for me is going to do the things that, that matter. Because if I, it's, it's like a loose can. I don't want to think about marketing and all of a sudden your, your business is heading in the wrong direction because you haven't pulled the right levers. Do you agree that I think you may not need to know every fine detail, but you need to, to understand marketing?
1: Yeah, marketing just just one of the the areas, and, yeah, and um, just that's a great example. So if you if you build an org chart as high as an org chart can go, you end up somewhere with president, CEO, or maybe you're chairman of the board, or or somewhere in that capacity. But big organizations look at their org charts. Okay, military, you've got generals, and you've got uh, sorry, forgive me, I, I'm not great at the uh, military hierarchy, but you have probably got colonels and lieutenants, and uh, right all and same thing happens in a CEO in a big company. You've got president and vice presidents or directors who um, you meet and, and you audit at a very high level. So you get reports that come up the ladder. And so a CEO, especially like if you're a multiple shop operator, let's take that. You, you have to have maybe a, a district manager, a director of ops. You've got to have store level managers and foremen and advisors. And what you really want to be able to do is, is be able to audit at, you know, snapshots of things and, quantified quantify KPIs to be able to say, this is functioning right, or this doesn't really seem right. And so in marketing, there's a simple thing. I mean, I think you can just take basic ROI and I, I encourage you to be very careful doing this like 30 days out, maybe do it like six months out or a year out, but you got to just have basic understanding of like, what kind of customers am I trying to get? And am I getting them? And what am I spending? And is it generating profit for me? And there's some basic things, but it's a great example. Yeah, you want to be able to quantify and get reports from your marketing agency that help you see that it's working or not.
0: And and again, where I was leaning with that also, and, and I appreciate it, I think you really helped clarify it for me. But if I didn't love marketing and I hated it and I was going to subcontract it and I was heading to a place like Vision and there were some marketing classes, put your butt in that seat. And absorb as much as you possibly can so that when you go out and audit, if you will, your marketing efforts and or the person or agency who's doing it, you just stepped up the smart uh, meter a whole bunch because you're getting yourself trained. You can't, I guess my point is, is that, and I'm asking both of you, you can't abdicate all every area of your business. You've got to know something about, you know, a little bit about everything. You don't know what you don't know. You have to bring that in.
1: Yeah, there's varying philosophies on this, karma, And, you know, I don't know what Camp Andy falls into, but it's kind of like looking at a, a report card in school. If you've got straight A's, but you've got an F in math, what do you do? Do you try to get your F to a D or a C and then take away from what you're really good at? Or do you just keep crushing it with A's and just say, I'm not good at math? And, uh, and you know, I think Marcus Buckingham, again, in this whole strengths concept, there's this, this torment between should I just keep doing the things I'm good at and not worry about You know, like if I'm, if I, if I'm the best at one thing, I can build a business on that. So there's varying camps, but my opinion is, is that you should polish up where you're weak and at least learn enough to be mindful of what you don't know uh, and and just keep excelling at your strengths. But Andy, I don't know what your thoughts are on that.
2: No, I, 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 agree with that. I, I also really encourage owners to invest in their people and invest in the success of their people's having a career right uh i always tell tell our people i'm like I, I i don't want you to think of this as a job this this should be a career that you can build a life on so i will send you to whatever training uh is needed to 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 fill in you know whatever weaknesses you have or to perform whatever functions we need you to perform so i i personally i love marketing right I, that's one of the things i really like to do um but for some other functions that I might not want to do, I'm going to understand them enough so that when I talk to the person in my organization who is in charge of that, I can relate to what they're saying. Right. But I don't need to know every detail about how they get it done. That's
0: the point. That's the point I was trying to make on the hate side of the list. You know, you can't totally abdicate it. If not, I think you're not doing your job as a CEO. You've got to know something about it, which moves yourself into that, that whole, um, uh, being a perpetual student and always learning and finding the time in your in your workload to do that let me let me tie into um strengths Marcus buckingham uh with you Andy i i did a strengths finder 2.0 um 6 years ago mm-hmm. and um before i was a podcaster and i and i looked at the results and i said that's not me a po- being a podcaster is not you. No, 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 no. This is way before I was a podcaster. Okay. And I looked at the I looked at the results, and there were and I got the top five strengths in StrengthsFinder yeah. 2.0. By the way, everyone, that book is on my books page on the website. You got to okay. get the book. You got to read the first thirty-four pages. Then you take the test, and then you go from there. And, and you'll find out what, what your gifts are, if you will, under, under this particular test. And I've taken a lot of crazy tests tests in, in my life on the personality, the disc side and stuff. And I looked at that and I said, well, that's not me. And I said, I can't believe it. And this, I was still working for Corporate America back then. And I, took the, I said, that's not me. And so uh, when I left Corporate America and I decided to become a podcaster, I went back. I said, oh, I, I looked at that test and I looked at that test. Those
2: five top strengths
0: is why I'm where I am and what I'm doing today.
2: Sure. Yeah, yeah You know. found you found your level. I found you know, it. Water seeks its own level, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so I love telling you. I hear a guy who said no, 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 and then I said oh yes, 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 <laughs> and so and, and that's where you end up having to play. And I think Brian, you you brought up a great thing. Anyone who's leading their business today is is got to know that about themselves.
1: I don't know. I just think it enhances. You know, you, it's like you're aware of what you weren't aware of. And unlocking potential sometimes is understanding giftings and callings. And maybe I should be doing more of my strengths and maybe this allows me to, to get out of my comfort zone and, or maybe it's not best for me in my comfort zone. So I'm going to get out of that and start pushing the envelope. And, uh, you know, you just, you want to be fulfilled in what you do and not dragged down by it. And I don't know, Andy, I I have the sense that you enjoy what you do. I sure do. And it's taken me falling on my face and, and some other different things in life to really realize, gosh, you're good at this and there's no replacement for doing what you're best at. And, you know, scratching an inch is fine, but at some point in time being in your calling and have the wind behind you instead of in your face, your whole life, it's a pretty liberating thing.
2: And it's, and it's, it's, what's also neat is when you're when the the people on your team uh, they know that you're doing something that you like to be doing. And like personally myself, if I come back from, you know, from the SEMA show or something like that, they're like, "We're glad you went out there, right? We don't, we don't need you here answering the phone. Uh, <laughs> you know, you go do what you do because you're really good at doing it, and you're raising the profile of the shop, and and you're talking about us and everything. So they they've seen they've seen where the business can go when we're all doing the roles that we should be doing. Which yeah. you know, when you brought up that taking that test, Carm. You know, everybody here has done the Wonderlic test, including all the techs. And I know that in, in that, everybody who's hired already in, in the job, but I just, I just told everyone to take the test just, you know, for a kick. So you could just kind of see it. And sure enough, everybody's personality was absolutely represented in that test. I mean, it, it almost came out just perfect on every single person.
0: I have StrengthsFinders, the mobile app, on my phone.
1: <laughs> well, Carm, I, the thousands of us are indebted to him for helping you realize these things because of this podcast or this, uh, you know, these webinars and, and this radio streaming. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, really, service to our industry, so. We really appreciate you a lot.
0: I I, I, thank you so much. And by the way, let me, you know, Apex is one of my sponsors this year. And so whenever I hear someone say I go to SEMA, why do I always say, you know, if you're not spending a day or two, in the sands convention center going to apex because you make your living repairing automotive you know SEMA is okay it's great there's a lot of fun stuff there but if you want the business of the aftermarket you got to go to apex
2: well i always stay at the venetian because it's attached there so i can walk right down (laughs) i went on
0: my soapbox (laughs) about that and and anyway you'll probably even hear some commercials you know when a car gets up on a soapbox and says you know if you're going to SEMA, go to apex if you make your living here
2: no, and Apex is, Apex is a fantastic show, and, and I would encourage every business, every auto shop owner listening to this to try to get out to Apex. You don't need to go to SEMA. SEMA's fun, but oh, Apex so. is where the well, rubber really meets the maybe road. Maybe I'll
0: call Apex and you could be our new spokesman.
2: <laughs> oh, no, it's a great <laughs> show. Yeah.
0: Okay. Wow. I love some of the places we went here today. This was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I know where we started and where we ended. I think it kind of almost took a, an interesting spin. But the, the objective that I had, guys, was to get our, our hard-working wrench-turning CEOs to look at you guys and say, Wow, they could do it. They didn't, they didn't know wrenching. They still don't. And they're running really successful businesses. And uh, maybe I can find some motivation in this, in this episode. So let me ask you guys. Uh, Andy, I'll let you uh, – uh, any, any final things?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, don't be afraid of change. Change, is it's a part of life, and it's a part of every successful business. And in the short five years that I've been in this industry, the change that's been affected has been massive. And the pace of change increases, and don't be scared of it. I, I, I'll burn a boots-on-the-ground example. I'll just go to digital video inspections. I mean, five years ago, who even knew about what those are? And just on Monday, my, my people in the service office were saying, just how much they love the DVI platform that we use and how, how much they love it and how much our customers love it and the kind of how, how much more effective they are and uh, efficient. So, I mean, that's just one little thing in a, just a river of change that we've seen. And, and don't be afraid because it's going to make, it's actually going to make your business grow faster and be more efficient. And you'll probably enjoy it more when it's doing both of those things.
0: I have uh, 30 questions that I could ask all about what you just said, but I won't because we'll we'll go on to two o'clock in the afternoon if we had. No, but I appreciate that so much. Uh, Very, very enlightening. Very inspiring. Thank you very much. Brian, I'll let you summarize it, man.
1: So here's the best way that I can I can kind of concisely uh, articulate what I think being an outsider coming in looks like. Okay, In, in every one of our homes, our literal houses, we have cobwebs in corners that we don't notice. And uh, I don't care if you're that one out of a hundred super OCD person listening, you you still have some dirt somewhere or or a a weird scratch in the wall that you never see. But when somebody comes over to your house or better yet, when you go to somebody else's house, within 30 seconds, you can notice the cobwebs on their walls and in their corners of their houses and the imperfection. I'm not, I'm not getting into vanity here. I'm just, I'm just saying like you, you can perceive things when you go to other people's houses. And so the value of, letting people into your organization to assess and to help you identify where you're weak and then going into other people's shops and businesses and building relationships because you will assess things that you there that you won't assess in your own business. And I think Andy and I and Kareem, if he was here and, and anybody else that's been on, um, my good friend, um, Doug Grills uh, in, in Maryland, right? Uh, sort of an out- outsider kind of a thing. But there's people, you can see things that insiders cannot see when you come from the outside. And you, know, you can learn the basics of how things work, which a lot of these technicians or shop owners already know. But if you can identify the things that you never saw and look at them in a new way and start to problem solve, on the consumer. Andy had a great point, right? Think of, of a consumer coming into your store. What it, culture is, what does it look like? What does it feel like? How does your team think? And how do you make customers feel? And what does it smell like? And all of that kind of stuff. And you can't, it's hard to think that way when you're stuck in the grind or You just always know what you know. And so that that being comfortable with change, Andy, is great. And and, and almost the accountability for change is inviting people into your world and inviting yourself into others so that you can see the cobwebs in your own corners and and expand how your shop uh, grows and progresses.
0: I love it. Great. And, and thanks for bringing that up, Andy, uh, about, you know, taking a look at, the, at your business from the customer's perspective. Um, I think it's, I, I think one of the things that people have to do is they need to go to Lowe's or Home Depot. They need to buy a gallon of paint. They need to take that paint they need to walk out to the curb of their business holding that gallon of paint in their hand because you know we're we're really just trying to create something here you know we're we're, we're trying to you know if if muscles have memories and you know brain what what am i going to do with this gallon of paint and you can start see, and then you walk in the business as you're holding this gallon of paint you walk into the restroom you start walking around you're saying i have a home for this i found a home for this. And that's the start of, of looking at it from the customer's perspective. And that advice was just free today for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Thanks to Brian Sump from Avalon Motorsports in Denver, um, formerly pro-athlete, been in business since 2007, Andy Bizib, Midwest Performance uh, Cars in Chicago, com- former commodity trader. And both of you are specialists. Uh, what are you doing with Urban? Is it a specialist, uh, Brian?
1: No, it's general repair. general yeah, repair. Neighborhood service cool. yeah okay
0: exactly and andy you guys are working on uh, uh mercedes bmw audi audi we're
1: mostly
2: in our downtown location we're mostly porsche and then the rest is all the rest of the germans and we i opened a second one we just had our one-year anniversary up in Northbrook a and north north suburb uh which is also mostly european but uh, uh but general repair as well
0: well congrats to your success and thanks for being here for the town hall academy this week